Hello and welcome to Getaway Day, episode 55. I am Mason, he is Gautham, and we are here to talk about opening weekend of baseball. Um, it was a really fun weekend for me. Um, I didn't get to watch I, nearly as much baseball as you did, I'm guessing, Gowie. Um, Good guess. But, but we've been uh, getting baseball every day now since uh, last Thursday, so we're going on a full week now. And I think we've got quite a bit to talk about already. So I guess before we get into it, kind of what was the uh, what was the best part about this last week for you? Like other than the whole being able to have two quad boxes at the same time? (laughs) I didn't get to two quad box level yet, but that might be coming soon. Sunday becomes a real challenge because all the games happen at the exact same time. It's really hard to keep track of all of them, but I tried. Um, Well, this Sunday, you, me, Discord, double quad box, we're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I think Saturday might be the best day for baseball viewing because they kind of like space the games out throughout the day. So there's always like a few games going on at the same time, but not too many to keep track of. Yeah, that's fair. And like, I know how bad I am at just a single quad box. So like, usually if there's two to three games, I can do it more than two or three. And I start losing focus, but I tend to just pick one and fixate on it. And then you tell me to watch the other stream and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's no um, there's no bad way to go about it. It's whatever you want to do, and that's what's cool about being a baseball fan. Well, and it makes it way easier when you're blacked out of like all of the games. Oh yeah, you don't have to choose. <laughs> well, can't watch these five. There's only six on right now. Yeah, Guess I, I know what problems. I'm watching. But so that's something Major League Baseball needs to fix. Um, but before we get into our discussion, uh, if you enjoy our podcast, please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, let us know your thoughts on on uh, the podcast, be it through YouTube comments, uh, review on um, your favorite podcasting platform by reaching out to us on Facebook or Twitter at Getaway Day Pod or by joining our Discord server and getting to annoy me at all times of day and know that I get a notification for it. Do it. Um, yeah, so I guess let's just get right into it because there was a lot of good stuff that happened this week. Um, the first thing I kind of want to talk about last week, we were focused on some of the uh, young players that were going to get to come up and make their debuts here in the opening day rosters, um, whether or not they played on opening day or game two. Eh. But um we've seen some amazing play out of some of these guys, guys like Steven Kwan. Um, Do you know how many, uh, how many at bats it was before he had a swing and a miss? Uh, So it was today in like his second or third plate appearance, I think where he had that first swing and miss and heading into today, he had uh, 24 plate appearances. So uh, guy, you know, he struck out also today. So, but before today, he had a zero percent strikeout rate, um, walking a ton, and obviously making tons of contact. So, really he had exciting. a five hit game in his third game of his career. Yeah, four singles hit. and a double, and a hit by pitch, and a hit so, by pitch. Unreal stuff. Yeah. No, I. Uh, so I didn't get to watch 
didn't get to watch uh, much of his play just because I was uh, traveling a lot this last week. So any baseball I got was all on the radio, which I think people kind of forget how good radio broadcasts are for baseball. Like I could just listen to baseball uh, radio for an entire five hour drive. And I know that because I've done it multiple times this week. Um, but yeah, so make sure like on MLB TV, you can always go and select the uh, the video feed and the audio feed separate. So just every every now and again, just try switching it up and listening to your radio broadcasters, because a lot of them are really, really good. Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up listening to baseball games on the radio and. That's definitely what made me the baseball fan I am today. So uh, highly recommend it. Now, the the reason I bring that up is like me only listening on the radio. Like one, you can only listen to one game at a time. So it makes it a little, a little hard to follow that many. Uh, but it also doesn't really do justice to um, the play of guys like Stephen Kwan here this week. Because I went back and watched the highlights of basically every one of his plate appearances. And the amount of discipline that this guy shows in his swing is amazing to me. Like he can literally slow down his hands to make sure that he squares up the ball and the ball's only going to come off the bat, maybe 80 mile an hour, but it finds a hole every time. Like he has so much control. It's insane. Cause like a lot of players can influence the direction of a ball, but to like actually place it exactly where you want it, is just pure dumb luck for the most part. Like it's really hard with a ball coming that fast and you swing in and there's just so many variables and he makes it look easy and add, add to that his speed like that five hit game. One of them was an infield single that the yeah. uh, pitcher knocked down. Like it doesn't look like he has much pop, but he did hit 10 home runs in the minor leagues last year. So maybe he's got a little pop. Maybe. His uh, his prospect grades definitely are showing that he's probably not going to be a high power guy. Um, he's got a 50 overall future value, but it's he's got an 80 grade hit tool, which I think yeah. we're understanding why. <laughs> uh, 60 grade speed, 60 grade field, and then just 30 power. So wouldn't expect a ton of home runs, but if you can get any out of him, this kid is going to be really, really, really good. Yeah, for sure. So, and I was doing a little digging the other day when I when he just continued his amazing performance guy was teammates with Nick Madrigal at Oregon state um, for three years, that same age, same draft class. But Nick Madrigal was the guy that got all the hype and became a first round pick that year in 2018. And then Quan dropped to the fifth round, I believe to Cleveland. And now he's seen a lot of success at the major league level. And, but can you imagine that team, how many, uh, how difficult they would have been to face? in college, like with Quan and Madrigal back to back in that lineup. Well, and it would be so frustrating because it would just feel like you're getting babbipped like crazy because like there's no power there. Yeah. Like out of those two guys, that's like maybe 10 home runs a year. Yeah. And then uh, big masher uh, sophomore catcher, Adley Rutschman comes up after that and clears the bases. Yeah. Yeah, just that would be absolutely nuts to to face. But no, I uh, I kind of think and Matthew was texting us the other day uh, about this. But is Stephen Kwan like the outfielder that the, the Guardians have been looking for for years? I feel like the way he's playing early on, granted, it's only six games in. So like 
maybe take this with a grain of salt. Uh, But the way he's playing so far, I kind of think he might be. Like, he's not going to be your power guy, but he's going to be like a really, really, really good center fielder that if you can get a power guy in the corner outfield, you'll be fine. He's been playing left, actually. Oh, has he? Yeah. Who's playing center for them? Uh, that's a good question. Because just looking at looking at the tools that he has, it seems like he'd be a really solid center fielder. It's probably Mercado playing center. Mercado's been playing right, so now I can't remember off the top of my head who it is, but I'll check real quick. They don't have any other outfielders. Who in the world could it be? <laughs> it is Miles Straw. How could we forget about him? Oh, Another shoot. Guy. Yeah, Another contact first guy that actually signed a contract extension with Cleveland to be with them for five more years. So he's kind of their center fielder now. I guess that makes sense. I was just kind of thinking from the the standpoint of like, this kid is really fast and he's really plus defensively. You would think that you'd have him in like a premier position, but yeah, Miles Straw kind of makes sense in center. You wouldn't yeah. move him. And like Mercado is a really good defensive outfielder as well. He's also yeah. really quick. His bat's just not there. So that that outfield could potentially be the best defensive outfield in the league. And Mercado himself is showing signs that maybe he can recapture what he had in what 2018, I think, with Cleveland. Uh, He has already 19, maybe. He's already got a couple home runs this year and kind of uh, looking a lot better. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's 2019, 15 home runs in 115 games. With those, I think he had like 15 steals too, or something. Yes, the 15 15 club, very prestigious. It is a good club to be in. Uh, Especially for your rookie season. Absolutely, yeah. People had really high hopes for that guy. And then he just fell off the the face of the earth for the the next two years, really. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, I don't know what happened to him, honestly. Like, he's a really talented young player, and he just... I don't know. His average went to well below the Mendoza line. He didn't get very many games. Uh, granted, 2020, he didn't get many games for very obvious reasons. There weren't many games to be had. Um, he rebounded from that a bit last year and hit 224. But um, I don't know. I I have a lot of hope for Mercado. If Mercado and Quan can both be um, solid hitters, like not necessarily even good hitters, but if they could be just solid I think that's going to be a big step up for this team that has not been able to find any answers for the outfield for what seems like 10 years now. So, yeah, but that's what's so fun about the beginning of the season. Cleveland, who most people would pretty easily have picked to be like a bottom 10, maybe bottom five offense in the league. They've been the best offense in the league through the first week of the season. And most of that's been uh, Jose Ramirez just doing like, crazy Jose Ramirez things. He had another home run today. So he's up to three homers, um, hitting like close to 500. Um, not, I'm not a big RBI guy, but I think he has like 14 RBIs through the yeah, first I know like he five had, or six. He had 11 through yesterday. Yeah. So, so they've got, they've got Ramirez doing his thing. Uh, Mercado and Quan I mentioned before, and then Owen Miller, another guy who was kind of a forgotten prospect. He's 25 now, but, he himself hit a home run today and, and has hit him very well. So maybe Cleveland can be a little surprising on the offensive side with some of these 
younger, more unheralded type players. Yeah. And and their pitching's always solid. Like it's especially their rotation. I mean, they still got Shane Bieber, um uh Aaron Savali, uh trying to Plezak's kind of the one that I guess people have the most concerns about, but he pitched today and I thought he pitched pretty decently. Tr- Tristan McKenzie pitched today and he pitched really well. Oh, uh okay, so Plezak pitched yesterday then. Uh no. Bieber pitched yesterday. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about, clearly. Um, but yeah, Tristan McKenzie, incredibly high upside guy, and he's shown a lot of talent at the major league level. So like if their offense can continue being even a portion of what it is right now, that's a team that I thought was gonna have to go through a rebuild. And if they can hit, I think they're in the division race. Like which is completely unexpected for this year because I think we all thought that it was going to be the White Sox and then some form of the Tigers and the Twins battling it out. Team trying to redeem itself from last year's just complete loss of a season and then another team that's been rebuilding for years and has all these like mega prospects coming up. And the Indian, or the, well, dated myself there. Uh, the Guardians. There we go. Um, they might just mess everything up and it's going to be frustrating for me, but Matthew will be very happy. So I think it's going to be great. Like if all five teams are going to be really competing in this division, that'll be one of the whoa, more whoa, exciting whoa, whoa, divisions. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think the Royals aren't to legitimately competing yet. They're to yeah, okay, almost right. legitimately competing. Yeah. I forgot about the Royals. <laughs> no, with, uh, with Bobby though, they might actually add a little bit more to that lineup, more than just speed that could potentially vault them back up into contention for a wildcard spot. So yeah, this, this entire division, this might be the best this division has been in a long time. Cause it's pretty much always been one to two teams that were maybe competing for it. Right. Yeah. I would say so, yeah, because there was that period where the Tigers were good, and now it's like kind of the Twins were good, and now the White Sox are on top. So it's just been sort of switching hands, but not super competitive overall. Yeah. Uh, What do you say we switch it up and talk about some of these other rookies that have had some good, uh, great starts? Sure. Uh, You want to talk to us a little bit about Saya? Because I know you watch him a lot, so... Yeah, so Seiya Suzuki coming over from Japan. He was a superstar there, but everyone kind of figured he would have sort of a learning curve. And his his first assignment right off the bat, probably the the most difficult three game assignment you could you could pick for the guy, where he has to go face Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, one, two, three. And what does he do? He completely holds his own, uh, hits a homer off Peralta in his third game. Uh, draws a couple walks against Woodruff or against Burns, I think. Just showing incredible plate discipline. Uh, one stat that I thought was really uh, descriptive of what he sh- he's shown so far now in his first uh, five games. Um, his O swing percentage, so the percent of pitches that he swung at that are outside the strike zone is a major league leading 5.1%. Good the, next, the next guy's on the list, 
or Christian Yelich, Juan Soto, uh, Mitch Garver, Jesse Winker. So guys that you think of as having really good plate discipline. So he's right up there with the elite um, plate discipline guy. He's not going to expand his own. The one time that he did, or uh, one of the times that he did expand his own, he actually hit that for a, a base hit off Woodruff. So he's um, kind of like Quan in that he's got good discipline, but he's also got the power aspect of it too. And he hit two home runs against the Pirates yesterday. So he's up to three on the season to go along with all the walks and, and the contact and everything and playing good right field. And if, if he, this is the player he's going to be, then we're talking about not just a rookie of the year candidate. We're talking about a guy that could be in MVP uh, consideration in the next couple of years, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the, uh, but when do the Cardinals Cubs play first? I don't Is it know. Next week? I don't think they play next week. It's not uh, for a it, while. It, I was gonna say I they were supposed to be the yeah, second oh yeah, series a, of the year, but it got Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. So maybe yeah, next month. Cause I just I wanna watch Saya. I don't want to watch him hit against the Cardinals rotation because that's just gonna be unfair. Um <laughs> but I wanna watch Saya. So, Watch him this weekend at Coors Field. Ooh, that's a good point. All right, that's that's one of the games in our double quad box. We're doing it. Yeah. Um, another guy that I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, making his major league debut for the Seattle Mariners, uh, starting pitcher Matt Brash. Brash uh, pitched on uh, yesterday, actually, um, and he went five and a third innings. Uh, giving up only four hits, two runs, uh, one of them being a home run um, that I believe was to Luis Robert. Yes. Um, And he had uh, six strikeouts and only one walk. And I was watching a couple of the highlights of of his pitches just from Pitching Ninja. That dude is nasty. Oh, my goodness. If Matt Brash doesn't lead the major leagues in Pitching Ninja GIF appearances... I'd be shocked. Uh, yeah, he's already like he's already beating like half the players from last year's leaderboard. The the ball it just moves horizontally. Like it's it's like a video game. The way the ball moves out of his hand, it's it's ridiculous. It's like more than 25 inches or something of horizontal break on his slider or or his knuckle curve whatever you call it. Like I don't even no one's really sure what to classify this pitch as because it, it, there's no comps to it. it. It has no comparison. It's just a ridiculous pitch, and it's going to work at the major league level. There's no reason it wouldn't, right? Yeah, and I, it worked last night. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love watching to see if he ends up with uh, uh, higher strikeout totals and stuff too um, just because I, I think that with this kid's stuff, he's going to get a lot of whiffs. And so six strikeouts in five and a third innings is, is definitely really good, especially for your debut. But I kind of think he's got a little bit more than that in the tank. Yeah. So I could definitely see some big strikeout totals. He did it in the minors and I mean, tough first landing spot and he held his own against the White Sox. So. Yeah. Cause uh, I was talking to you on the phone yesterday and, um, 
when you told me that the home run was to Luis Robert, it's like that really just counts as a single for anyone else. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not even that big. But uh, let's see. One other guy that uh, on the great starts, uh, Hunter Green. Yeah. Hunter Green, same same kind of thing as uh, Matt Brash. He has great stuff. Everyone knows about his incredible fastball that, you know, over 100 miles per hour all the time. But he's got a great slider too. And he showed it against the Braves. And the only guy, I, I think a couple guys tagged him for homers, but one of them was Matt Olson. It's the same kind of thing. Like, give up a Matt Olson homer, no shame in that. And he, uh, how many innings did he pitch in that? Five innings? He struck out seven. Uh, got the win in his first major league start. Like, great uh, sign for Reds fans because everyone knows that uh, Hunter Green was supposed to be like this huge prospect, and he's finally here and he's showing it. Yeah, in across five innings, his um, four seam fastball average velocity was ninety nine point nine. Yeah, and that's like, not just because he's amped up; it's because yeah. that's how hard he throws. Yeah, and honestly, the fact that that's not triple digits. Kind of surprises me. He might have been holding some back, yeah. But I do find it interesting that he actually lost uh, 0.1 war during that game. Is it just because of the uh, the runs he gave up? He didn't give up that many runs, did he? He gave up like three. Uh, uh, he has a... Uh, I think it's well, a home runs, probably. Where in the heck is the run total? So he's a 5-4 ERA. Yeah, it's three earned runs in five innings. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, but so I'm I'm surprised he lost war for that game. But oh well, I don't create the workout. Um, all right. So now we won't spend a lot of time on it because I don't want to sit here and make it seem like we think these guys suck. But a couple guys who had some rough starts, um, guys who we kind of expected to kind of take off right right from the bat, and they they've struggled a little bit here the first week. Uh, guys like Julio Rodriguez. Um, I don't think he, he has his first major league hit, but yeah, I like, think he's just got like two hits total. Uh, so, you know, hasn't done a whole lot yet, but no one's, no one's concerned uh, about that. He actually only has one hit. So, oh, okay. One hit. He's 071 so far through 14 ABs. So, um, uh, he's definitely just taking a minute to adjust to the majors. He'll, He'll figure it out. Um, but he has had a rough start. Uh, Nick Lodolo pitched today for the Reds. I believe he got tagged for quite like a five, bit. Five runs in four innings? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the wrong day here. Um, there it is. He got tagged for, yep, five earned runs in four innings, three walks, um, Four Ks, two uh, two home runs allowed, and those home runs were to Owen Miller and Jose Ramirez. So, uh, oh yeah, and then Mercado ended up taking uh, Buck Farmer deep, but again, Jose Ramirez home run, nothing to be ashamed of. So, yeah, I think this start was kind of just like a typical. Uh, thing you would expect from a guy making his first major league start a little bit of jitters there and um, you know he kind of lost his command a little bit but then he also showed some of the things that uh, 
are the reason why he's so well regarded. People thought he's like a really polished pitching prospect. So I think the red the Reds got to be really encouraged by their their two uh, prospect pitchers here after trading half their team away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of why they were okay with it. Uh, the other part is something that I don't think we'll probably dive into today, uh, but we were talking about before the pod. Um, but I would like to just assume that they were okay with it because they had good young talent in the um, minors that was ready and not the fact that they are horrible owners that say that the city's lucky that they don't just move the team. Yeah, it's like the one saving grace, I guess, that they're not just holding those guys down in the minors and just running out a boring team. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then the last guy uh, on here that had kind of a uh, rough debut was uh, Tommy Romero of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, he – I don't think a lot of people know him really, but he was kind of just like a mid-tier type prospect. He came up to take a start yesterday. Probably wasn't too prepared because uh, Luis Patino got injured the day before, so they needed a, an extra starter there. And he kind of got rocked in his first time through. I mean, he's a raised pitcher, so still keep your keep tabs on this guy because he could be really good, um, but not yeah. yesterday. Yeah, he uh, he only gave up two hits, but he uh, walked five guys and gave up three runs. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a rough, rough time there. And that was in an inning and two thirds. So um, they still managed to win the game in extras, but not exactly, uh, not exactly your dream debut. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and Torkelson right, hit so, his first home run today after a rough oh, start. I, I saw that, and then a uh, kid came and threw it back into the bullpen. So, <laughs> um, All right, so we've talked about the young kids, the young bucks. So let's go with uh, Grandpa Kirsch, um, 34-year-old elder statesman. That still doesn't really make sense to me, but then you say Clayton Kershaw, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, that makes sense. Um he pitched today, and he pitched uh, up in Minnesota, and he pitched seven perfect innings in 80 pitches and then got pulled by uh, uh, Dave Roberts. And in the immediate, fans were furious uh, that he was pulled in a perfect game. There's been, what, 23 perfect games in history? Yep. None of them have been combined. There have been 11 combined no-hitters, um, but never a combined perfect game. And this is Kershaw's first uh, first start of the year. He's got kind of an injury history and short spring. You don't really want to push your luck there. So, like, I get where Dave Roberts was coming from. I actually support the decision personally. Um, I thought it was the right move at the time. Clayton Kershaw came out after and said, yeah, that was the right move. Like, I didn't really touch a ball for three months during the offseason. Yeah, he said he was built up to about 75 pitches, and he did ask Dave Roberts to send him back out there for the seventh inning because Roberts was thinking about pulling him at that point. So he at least got one extra inning out of it. And it's just like one of those things that it totally makes sense from a standpoint of it's just one game. Uh, you don't want to 
wreck your star pitcher's uh, arm just over a game in the like beginning of April. You have a long season ahead. Yeah, that all makes sense. It's game five of the season. Yeah, like, and then the Dodgers, like they're gonna coast through the season like they usually do. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand of it, it's like what we think about uh, when we're watching a potential perfect game or no hitter happen. It's, we always want the guy to get it. So it's like, it just doesn't jive. Those two ideas don't mesh with each other. It's just yeah. hard to watch because like, you don't want it to happen. Yeah, and like, even though you, you, you know it's going to happen. You almost don't mind if a dude's arm falls off during a, a no hit bid because you just want to see it happen. Like Johan the Santana. problem is his arm has fallen off before. So we don't want it to happen again. So right. it's one of those that it's like your baseball fandom is mad, but then your or uh, baseball fanaticism, I guess, is is mad, but your baseball fandom is happy because he's going to be there for the rest or for longer this season without being hurt potentially. So yeah. I don't know. It, it was just, it was an interesting decision in a great game by Kershaw today. I was going to um, say, yeah, we haven't even talked about that, but I didn't watch this game, but he must've been absolutely dominant to, to rack up 13 strikeouts in 80 pitches. Yeah. Like he, it, he wasn't running a high pitch count at all. He was very uh, efficient. He struck out Buxton three times. Like guy was doing a lot of things right in this game. Yeah. This is the Kershaw that we were saying a couple weeks ago. We need to see this year. And so far, we're getting him, which yeah. I think we also agreed that like Kershaw on the field is always going to be dominant. It's just yep. how much is he on the field? So, right. from that standpoint, great decision by Dave Roberts to pull Clayton Kershaw. I'm mad Clayton Kershaw didn't get the perfect game. Oh well, yeah, that we'll, have to, like the, we'll have to get that later this season. The cherry on top of his uh, career and all his accolades and everything, but yeah, yeah. he's already got a no hitter. He got in 2014 against the Rockies, so he just needs that perfect game. All right, so while we're talking about uh, that, one's not really an unwritten rule. It's just almost more of like a superstition talking about perfect games, no hitters as they're happening, pulling a guy during one is kind of just a no-no. Um, so we've got a couple other unwritten rules that were uh, violated this week. Uh, in the Giants-Padres um, game yesterday, I believe. Is, it, is that correct? Yesterday? Yeah, yeah so the uh, Giants were up by a considerable margin. And usually... That means you're just going to you'll swing the bat, you'll get hits, but you're not going to try and take the extra base. You're not going to try and bunt a guy over. You're not going to try and bunt for a single. You're just going to swing. And if you get a hit, you get a hit. Great. Otherwise, you just kind of get on out of there. Well, Stephen Duggar decided he was going to steal, steal second. He did. He got it. Uh, And then uh, after that, Mauricio Mauricio Dubon decided he was going to bunt for a single. And both of those individually upset the Padres for understandable reasons. And Gabe Kapler comes out after the game uh, and said, basically, I support both of their decisions. We decided at the beginning of the year that it makes no sense for us to back off 
and quit pushing the pedal down if we're going to have to continue facing these guys. We want to get their bullpen as deep as we can so that we can win tomorrow's game and the game after that. And it makes a ton of sense to me, honestly. And I like that line of thinking. Like, is it unsportsmanlike? Only because we've said it is. Like... Yeah, I I 100% agree with what Kapler said. The one thing I just thought of now is if you're up by 9, 10 runs, which I think they were on the Padres last night, if you're Dubon, why are you not just swinging away? Why why do you need to bunt for a hit? Wouldn't you want to just swing away? I mean, Dubon isn't really the best hitter in the world. That's exactly why he should be swinging. Well, he's he's fast, so he could pad his stats by getting a bunt single. Well, it shouldn't be about padding the stats. That that goes against what Kepler's saying. Yeah. They're trying to win like they're trying to win the games and I don't know, like That's oh, so you're saying you should have taken some more pitches. Take and take then, some pitches and try to have a like a try to try to get like a actual hit, not a bunt hit. Like you don't need to practice your bunting in that situation. That's fair. Um I, I you you can't really disagree with the the Duggar stealing uh, though, because that one like yeah, I got no yeah. problem with that. But no, I I get where you're coming from. I hadn't thought of that with the with the bunt, but maybe he was just being unsportsmanlike. Who knows? <laughs> he just wanted to pat his stats because he can't get a hit uh, the traditional way. <laughs> exactly. But does he have a hit yet this year? I, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. But I think he's a little bit on the uh, the the naughty list with Kapler. Because he, I saw him get uh, picked off second base, or he got doubled off second base at one point. So he could be very well in his last days as a giant. He he's out of options. So next time uh, he does something bad, he may be getting the DFA boot. Yeah, uh, it looks like he's only got two hits on the year. Um, so yeah he's probably and one of them was today, so he was probably just trying to get his average above two hundred. It's my guess, but oh well, um then the other unwritten rule that I wanted to talk about here um hit by pitches so the during the uh cubs brewers uh series here uh the cubs were hit a couple of times right cubs are hit a couple times brewers were hit a couple times i think so well and so keegan thompson comes out and just freaking pegs andrew mccutcheon and bench is clear and will you explain to me a little bit about what that whole situation was why it escalated to the point where he just like blatantly threw it um at kutch now, when yeah. he did it, I will point out, he did it the right way and he hit him in the butt, which is the way that you're taught to do it. So, like, that's how you know it's on purpose and also, like, as harmless of an intentional HBP can be. So Okay, yeah, I have a thing on that, but I'll get to that in a little bit. So, it yeah. all starts from, uh, it all starts from, like, a couple years back and uh, the Brewers have been hitting Wilson Contreras a bunch of times. Probably not on purpose, but they have been working inside to him many times. He's been hit by them 10 times now since the beginning of 2020. And he has not taken kindly to that at all. 
And there's been a couple of other like skirmishes and a lot of yelling between the two teams the last couple of seasons. And, you know, Wilson's a fiery guy. He, he's, uh, he's going to say like, what's what, and he's not happy about it. So, but he also, I think he realizes that they're not doing it on purpose, but he's trying to make the statement that don't work inside to me. If you, if you're going to be, uh, if you're if you're too wild to be able to execute those pitches inside and um, not, you know, hit me. So Keegan Thompson, I guess, takes it into his own hands. And uh, I think he, he actually threw strike one to Kutch. Then he tried to hit him with pitch two and missed. Uh, Kutch got out of the way, and then he hit him with a third pitch. <laughs> and Kutch was actually complaining after the game that back in the old days – Back when Kutch was a young guy, uh, the the pitcher would go after you with a fastball strike uh, and hit you right away. And now it's getting dangerous because they'll throw a, a cutter in there on, on the first pitch for a strike, and then you won't have any idea that they're coming after you with the hit-by-pitch. And that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that he had thrown a strike in there, which does kind of make it. It it does make it seem a little bit. Yeah, like there would have been a better way to do it for sure. Yeah, like if you're going to hit the guy, just hit him. Yeah, and and that's what Kutch was saying in that that interview there. Also, that maybe no one told him. Maybe he just doesn't know how you're supposed to do it. He should have (laughs) asked. I thought it was pretty funny. But yeah, so Keegan Thompson got a three-game suspension. Ross got a one-game suspension. So they kind of got what they deserved. but. Hopefully that calms the situation down and they don't have any more like fights going well, forward. Well, hopefully the Brewers just start pitching outside. Yeah, and then Wilson can crush some balls, yeah. Exactly. Get you some better trade bait there. Yeah. Sorry, was that uh, like pouring salt on an open wound? A little bit. Sorry. I'm just rolling with the punches. Like I'm just going <laughs> to try to enjoy the... Uh, the last Wilson season with the Cubs as much as I can. He had a massive 450 foot bomb to center field today. Dang. That is so there's been some really impressive home runs so far this year. Oh, like yeah. th- this isn't on our on our list here, but some of these guys, like we knew they had power, but not seeing them play for like six months, you forget just how much power they have. Vladdy hit a ball, a line drive to the second deck in left center field, 467 feet or something stupid at 118 mile an hour, almost off the bat. Just insane. Yeah. Two, two other home runs are being up. Uh, one is like a specialty of this guy. I feel like John Carlos Stanton, uh, I think the second game of the season hits his, traditional line drive home run like super low launch angle like i think it was like 15 degree launch angle and it gets out of there so fast 116 miles per hour off the bat who else can do that he's like the only guy uh i i will say uh nolan arenado tried his best giancarlo stanton impression on opening day um because he hit that home run on opening day in his last at bat and that thing was out of the park in less than two seconds like it was, he smoked that thing. Yeah. 
And then the last one, I'm going to bring up Buxton again and get used to it. I'm probably going to bring him up a lot this season. So just let me know if you get tired of it. I, I don't um, think I can get tired of Buxton. So Buxton hit a home run off a uh, pitch from Andres Munoz. This pitch went 101 miles per hour above the strike zone, and Buxton takes it to the third deck, which is just incredible. How does he have that kind of strength to, to turn on that ball and, and pull it out when it's above the zone? Like There are very few that can do that. Yeah, that's like your Aaron Judge type guy that can do that. Yeah. And it's really hard to throw a pitch above the zone to Aaron Judge just because of his height. Right. But uh, I, I actually have one more home run I want to talk about, and it's not because of like prestigious or prodigious uh, launch angle or exit velocity. It's just kind of more the situation. And I'm sure you know what I'm going to say here. Do you? Uh, I'm not sure. Albert Pujols hit his first home run back with the Cardinals yesterday. Um, so number 680 of his career, got the curtain call. We were hoping for it on opening day. It didn't happen, but he came out yesterday, hit one off Daniel Lynch, and it just felt so right um, seeing that. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's just really, really cool to see that just storyline kind of come to a close here. Um, so we're at the beginning of the end. And it's going to be so sweet if you're a Cardinal fan. Um, opening day. So I was out there last week and that was really cool on its own. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, so I don't know how many of you guys have watched a Cardinals opening day, but they kind of do it special compared to most teams. Most teams just show up. They uh, go through the normal routine. They might do an occasional thing here and there, but they don't really like make a, a big freaking deal out of it. Um, in St. Louis, it's basically a holiday. They bring back all of the Cardinals hall of famers that are still alive. Um, so guys in Cooperstown and guys that are, um, in just the St. Louis hall of fame, um, they'll bring them out and, uh, or so they'll run the Clydesdales around the track, bring out all the hall of famers and, uh, Mustangs, line them up and then bring out all of the players in uh, F-150s and they all shake hands with all the Hall of Famers and stuff. And it's just really, really, really cool to see seeing all these guys that you grew up watching or grew up hearing about. Um, guys uh, like uh, Mike Shannon and Tim McCarver all the way to the guys that were um, like Jason Isrenhausen and all that that I got to watch. Um, so you see all this. And then on top of that, they decide we're going to go out and do this really, really long uh, video of highlights of Albert, Yachty, and Bueno, and just kind of get you hyped for that. And then they bring them out um, and kind of talk about their accolades and all that from their career. And I had made a joke about a week before. Uh, to some people um, and I said is that whole there's no crying in baseball thing is that only for the players or does that carry over to the fans uh, that was a joke when I asked I legitimately cried at opening day I did not plan to I didn't want to but it happened that was so freaking cool I really wish every team would make that big a deal out of their opening day because we were the like the 10th people in the stadium Got there, 
we were in the stadium four hours before the game started, watched batting practice for both teams, got to see all of that stuff, then got to watch the game and it was nine to one or whatever the final score, nine to two, I think. So fantastic day. But the Cubs don't have any kind of tradition like that, do they? Uh, definitely not like that. I don't honestly know what the tradition is. I've never been to a Cubs opening day, so couldn't tell you. And I don't really think there's. Okay, we're recording again. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think that sometime you and, and Matt need to come out to uh, opening day in St. Louis with me just because I don't think there's anything in the world like opening day in St. Louis. I thought that was just like something people made up and just said because St. Louis claims to be the best baseball town. And then I start trying to look up different uh, traditions for different towns and different teams, and there aren't any. And it's like, well, it, it almost feels like St. Louis either just I don't want to say they care more, but they're more. Uh, it just feels like they're more in tune to the past and trying to bring the past and the present together. Yeah, and I think yeah. more teams think are. Are. So that's a good uh, description of like the Cardinals. Uh, just their vibe as a franchise and always connecting to uh, the past and also kind of keeping that. Uh, I don't know, just they're keeping their history alive. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing that I will mention, and then I'll be done with the, the Cardinals talk for today. Um, so they, they redid the left field wall where they do all, or they have the retired numbers and the pictures of the guys they retired for. And they, um, they went in this order for the first five. So they went red chainist who didn't have a number uh, or no, sorry, not red chainist, uh, Rogers Hornsby who didn't have a number. Ozzie Smith, number one, red chainist. Number two, Jack Buck, who has a microphone image retired in his honor. Number six, Stan Musial. And they left a couple of open pads before. So I kind of think they're retiring Albert's number during the season or like on the final day. And then they're just going to take Jack Buck and move it and then put number five right there. Yep. Makes sense. Which that's going to be freaking cool. I got to get tickets to that game. They're not going to retire Yachty as well. Well, I would have assumed that they would. And and maybe, well, so I think they left two open spots. So maybe they'll just move it, move both and do both at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. But because I mean, four and five is. Unless you were to move uh, Rogers Hornsby into the middle, too, but that would be kind of a, a dead giveaway if that was your plan. So, all right, I'm done talking the Cardinals. Um, we have uh, kind of two last things on the rundown for today. Um, one is the White Sox. So the White Sox have. Uh, they've already kind of started suffering from the injury bug here. Yeah, they really have. Even before the season, uh, Lance Lynn's last start. He uh, felt his knee start burning after he threw a pitch, and turns out he had uh, like some sort of torn ligament or something. So he had to have surgery on that. He's going to be out for like probably a couple of months now uh, before he can get it ramped back up and actually pitch deep into games. So that's a big blow to them. Uh, Yoan Mankata, 
had an oblique issue. He's kind of working his way back. Maybe he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but you never know with those obliques. And then Lucas Giolito had to leave the opening day start with some sort of abdominal issue. Supposedly, he'll only be out for two starts, but once again, you really don't know. And then AJ Pollock, the story just keeps repeating itself. Guy plays great in his first couple games with the White Sox. He already had like four hits. Um, looking like one of the best players on the field. And then rounding first base, he just feels his uh, hamstring kind of yelling at him. So he had to leave the game, and he's on the injured list now with another hamstring issue. So White Sox are, are fighting it now. Are they going to be okay? They do have quite a bit of depth, at least on the, the position player side, um, especially like – you don't want to lose Pollock. He is so good. Um, but they do have Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn who can fill in uh, some of those plate appearances while he's out, and they should be okay. From uh, from the pitching side, losing both Lynn and Giolito is huge. Like, yeah. I I don't really know who else they've they've got because like yeah, so e- even they, in their bullpen they have injuries like Garrett or uh, yeah Garrett yeah. Whitlock's out right. Derek Crochet, he's Crochet. out for the season. Uh, Whitlock Tommy is on the Jones. Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, so on the pitching side, Vince Velasquez got one of the starts, and then they're calling someone up from AAA to make a start here for one of the missing spots, and there's not a whole lot of major league caliber pitching depth that they have for starters. So if these – um, if the Giolito injury is actually like ends up taking longer, they could be in for a little bit of a trouble. Yeah, but, they they just gotta hope that their uh, their uh, lineup can mash like we know it can. I mean, Aloy, um, Luis, uh, and Abreu, those guys alone could win you every game if they're healthy. Which uh, a couple of them have question marks there too. Um, but that lineup could very easily be able to handle losing a couple of starters, uh, in the rotation, but it's certainly a big, big loss to lose your ACE and your, in your number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which to be honest, I'm not sure which one of them's the ACE and which one's the number two. Yeah. You could so, argue for both, but yeah, it's, you don't want to lose those guys at all. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, do we want to talk about the Blue Jays opening day game? Yeah, I kind of did want to mention that. So Blue Jays, big opening day. Everyone's super excited for the season and everything. And Jose Barrios goes out there and lays an egg, gives up like five or six runs in the first inning. He doesn't even make it out of the first inning, I don't think. Uh, his ERA was like 108. Uh, 108 with a 15 whip. Yeah, so... Blue Jays get down about 7 nothing, and it's the fourth inning. Everyone's saying worst opening day ever for the Blue Jays. And then began the comeback. And they just started, you know, just hitting like everyone knows that they can do and end up winning this game 10-8. to eight. And the, my biggest takeaway was not that they were able to do that. That didn't really surprise me at all. It was just that... Um, 
that team was having so much fun on the field. Um, they're going to have an incredibly fun summer this year, just scoring so many runs. Obviously, Jose Barrios is not going to be that bad probably for the rest of the season at all. But that well, team is just – He pitches tonight, doesn't he? Yeah, he's pitching tonight against Cole. And I'm sure it's going better for him than whatever happened that game. But it's going to be a very fun summer for, for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I, so I, I don't know. He got tagged for three and five innings. Okay. Two home runs. Yeah, it happens. But uh, home runs to Rizzo and Judge. So not really surprised there. Yeah. It's not like he gave one up to Glaber, so we're good. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I know, just dunking on him all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess all in all, this has been a, a great opening week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, and after the, after the offseason that we all had, I think it just made it all the more sweet. Yeah. Like a month ago, we didn't even know if we were having a season, right? Yeah. So I, I would like to think this is the first of many weeks of fantastic baseball and conversations from us. Um, 25 I'm, I'm more weeks. 25, 25 more weeks. More weeks. Exact. Yeah. And the off or And the, and the playoffs, yeah. But 25 more regular season weeks. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have to uh, – figure out how we want to do this this uh, regular season because I think there's going to be so much to talk about. We're going to have to figure out like how to actually talk about it all. Right, yeah. But, we'll figure it out, though. We're just getting started here. Oh, yeah. So if you, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and are looking forward to what we're going to have coming up here in the future, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, we do also stream uh, our recordings live on Twitch, and we are now Twitch affiliates. So we're going to start trying to uh, get all of the the sub badges and and all that set. So if if that's something that interests you guys, you have that option. Um, let's see. Let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments, or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, or uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Getaway Day Pod. Uh, you could join our Discord server. Um, and like I said, I get notifications for anything that's said in it. So you could just sit there and try and keep me up at night if you want. I'm all for it. I love talking baseball and we'll talk baseball with you guys any time of day. Um, I think that is all we've got for today. So unless you've got any final comments, Gowie, I think we will see all you guys next week. See you later. Couldn't find the uh, stream ending button. Craig was not enjoying the podcast, apparently. He wanted to leave. Yeah. What so happened? That's going to be annoying. I don't know. It just, so it sent me a, oh, I guess I should probably tell Craig to leave again. Uh, Get out of here.